He is worthy of our praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ron, um, for the opportunity to stand before our family here at Redeemer and proclaim the, the riches of Christ. And uh, I pray that is exactly what we do in all of our hearts this morning. Uh, thank you, leadership of the church, again, for the opportunity and church family. What a great privilege it is to stand and preach the name of Christ. And I am humbled by that this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do this morning, join me in turning to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. With Christmas just around the corner, uh, have you ever had thoughts of how empty this holiday season has become? For me, uh, my, from my childhood to, to my fatherhood, I love Christmas. Like, I treasure Christmas. Uh, Marcia is sick at home, and when she, she knows how much I love Christmas, and when the thoughts of her being sick, uh, uh, um, she, she knew how much I love Christmas, and, and she said, oh, I don't want to make Christmas a down for you, you know, and, and uh, so she was very distraught, and uh, even this morning, uh, but, you know, from my, all through my life, Christmas, the joys of this season have been fantastic. I mean, I love Christmas, but for some reason, the spirit of Christmas has seemingly changed in our culture, and... Um, it's changed not for the good because what we see is we anticipate going to a Christmas party. We anticipate being around family. We anticipate giving gifts and kids even getting gifts. But when all that's said and done and it's over, have you ever felt disappointed or uh, empty uh, or like, oh, I wish it had been this or I wish it had been that? I think we can see how, how Christmas in our society has become man's attempt to be satisfied in and of themselves. Outside of Christ, when we, when we try to be satisfied in and of ourselves, it's incomplete. Family is great. All the wonderful gifts are great. All the food is great. I love to eat. So, so that's what I love about Christmas. You know, I mean, all the food is great. And it makes for an enjoyable season. But at the end of the day, for many people, for many Christians, it brings no joy. It brings absolute no joy. Christmas has become, even in the life of many believers, a duty to be performed rather than a Savior to be worshipped. All right. So our goal this morning in Luke chapter 2 is to go to war against that. To go to war against this with what? With the truth that we celebrate Christmas not because of the day that it's on, not because of the presents we open or even the songs that we sing, but we celebrate because Jesus Christ brings great joy in the hearts of His children. We celebrate Christmas. And if we don't rally around this truth, if we don't go to war against how Christmas is viewed and how it is expressed in our society today, then we too... When December the 25th is over, we'll be ready for something else. We'll be moving on, seeking to be satisfied in something else. As we journey through our first few verses of Luke today, my prayer is that you will see the glory of the gospel. There will be points in this text that I will not hit on. There will be great truths that I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, have prayed that the Spirit would, would uh, uh, enlighten you and illuminate in your heart and mind. 
But as we journey through here, my prayer is that you see the glory of God. The glory of the gospel. And your heart bursts with joy. It just bursts with this great joy because of the gospel. So church, if you're ready, let's dive in. Are you ready? ready. Say amen. All right, let's do it. All right. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You do what You always do. And that's to bless the reading and preaching of Your Word. In Your name we pray. Amen. You might be wondering why we did not read 15 through 20, as we had uh, originally stated. We will get to that. We're going to journey through the first 14 verses. What I want you to see this morning is that God loves you. God loves you so much. If we look at the very first verse, that God loves you so much that in a perfect time and place, in those days, in those days, a day when Herod was king of Judah, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, a day when Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome, that all the world should be Registered a day. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. We see this. This is a real day in history. You see, in a perfect time, in a perfect place, in a real factual day in history, we see a Caesar who is Augustus. A Caesar who is Lord. Augustus, which means that he is favored, that he is esteemed above all. He is considered one of the greatest leaders ever in Roman history. He helped lead the Roman Empire in both peace and prosperity that had not been seen in all of its history. You see, Luke's even mention of of Caesar was to inform us that this birth happened on a real day. Jesus Christ is just as real today as He was on that day. Day. This is a real day in history, a day when Herod was king. Look back at that statement, and I have meditated on this uh, uh, a lot over the last month. In those days, in those days, what does that mean? In those days when king was 
Herod was king of uh, Judea. It was a dark time for the nation of Israel. The people had heard no prophetic word. They had not heard from God in over 400 years. They had fell deeper into unbelief. They had all but abandoned the truth that salvation was by faith alone in favor of self-righteousness. Their religion had become empty and selfish and had no power to save. This was a dark time for the nation of Israel. In those days... It was also a difficult time for the nation of Israel. Herod was their lord, and Caesar Augustus was their king. Taxes were high, unemployment abounded, morals were slipping away, and this military state was in control. Roman law, Greek philosophy, nor Jewish religion could bring light or could bring peace to the hearts of men and women in those days. I just want to sidetrack for a minute. If, you, if you're not able to see the parallel between those days and these days. We, we, we can see, even though we're not in those days, we can see how these days mirror that so well. History always repeats itself. <laughs> Unbelief abounds. Taxes are high. People are looking for jobs. We're under the control of so many people. We feel in bondage to our jaws, feel in bondage to ourself. It's a dark time in this nation. But we need to understand that this is a real day. This is a perfect time in history because not only was it a real day, it was a day that was planned before the foundation of the earth. It was a day planned before the creation of the world. The whole universe (laughs) was created and made for this day, this glorious day. Even in those years when God's voice was silent, even in those years of darkness and difficulty, the hand of God was active by setting the stage for the coming of Christ, setting the stage for what we just read. In those days, the people of God felt defeated and they were distraught. They were looking for hope. In those days, they said, where is God to be found? We might as well find our own way. God was actively working for their good and His glory. Galatians 4.4, Paul says, when the fullness of time had come. This is this perfect time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. God came to us in, in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. It happened on a day. It happened on the perfect day. In the fullness of time. The perfect time appointed by God before the foundation of the world. In those days of darkness and difficulty, sprang forth light and hope. For unto you is born, what day? This day. Hallelujah. That our God sent Jesus to us in the perfect time. But also... In the perfect place. Because this was a real city in the world. It tells us in our text. That all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. Went up from the town of Nazareth to Judea. To the city of David which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary his betrothed. Who was with child. Children look at me. Kids look at me. Bethlehem is not a galaxy far, far away. 
It's not that. This city, Bethlehem, it still exists today. It's only six miles from Jerusalem. Bethlehem is the city where Jesse lived. It is the father of David, the great king of Israel. Rome, they took a census about every 14 years. And every Jew had to return to the city of his father to record his name, to record his occupation, his his property, and his family. And so Joseph, being from the city of David, being from Bethlehem, had to return to Bethlehem because he was from David's house, from the family of David. And I think in these events, we see how God is orchestrating all this. We see His providence over and His power all this. In these events, God reveals His power over all things when He uses the most powerful and influential person in the world as the people knew it, Caesar Augustus, to bring about His purposes. We can go to the Word of God and we can, we can look and see how God's purpose always prevails. How nothing can thwart the purposes of God. And we see that fleshed out before us. That Joseph was in Nazareth, but in order to, to, to be a real city, in, a, in a, a city of heritage, in order to fulfill and be the city of promise, God orchestrated and He used evil men and wicked kings and and self-righteous rulers to bring about His purpose and to make His name great. It was a city of promise. God had promised that the Savior would be a human. He would be a Jew and not a Gentile. He'd be from the tribe of Judah. He'd be from the family of David. He'd be born of a virgin in Bethlehem, the city of David. And God sovereignly sovereignly and providentially directed the steps of Joseph and Mary in order to both fulfill His promise and His prophecy concerning Bethlehem. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I am watching over my word to perform it. God is performing His word. And we need to step back. And we need to do stand in awe of the truth that God is watching over His word and He is performing it. He is performing it even today in our hearts and in our lives just as He performed it on this day in the city of David. Celebrate that. Have joy in that today, church. On a night like no other night, in this small village in Israel, a child was born. And make, make notice of the fact that um, the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, Luke does not really go into just this elaborate and glorious detail, right? If we look at these first few vo- verses, it's just like, here it is, you know? This is what happens. It's like this historical thing. But in that, we see all these, these theological things that God is working out. He is, he is showing us His nature, his, how He is sovereign, how he is, he is providential, and all of these things. But this, this birth that happened on this day was not just any birth. And Luke would lead us to that point here in the next few verses. This was a birth that would change the trajectory of all humanity. Church, I need to say that again because it changes you. This birth would change the trajectory of all humanity. 
It would change Ryan's life. It would change Mark's life. It would change David's life. It would affect generation upon generation. This, this, is some, this was the very Son of God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the long-awaited Messiah, Savior, and Lord in the all. God in the flesh has come! Has come. So we see that God loved us so much that in a perfect time and place, He sent a perfect Savior and Lord to be born. Look down at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And again the angels tell us what Luke has already told us, in verses 6 and 7. And there will be a sign for you. We'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So we see the birth of our Savior and Lord. The angels appear to the shepherds. And the, and the glory of the Lord is around them. And, and what happens? What is supposed to happen when the glory of the Lord the goodness and the greatness of God shows up. It is an appropriate response here by the shepherds. They were afraid. I promise you these, these outcast guys in the field in the middle of the night, in, in, in the middle of the darkness, awake to keep watch over their flock, to protect their flock. I guarantee when the heavens opened up and the glory of God came down, you and I, if we were there, we would be afraid too. It is an appropriate Response because it was not just light, it was the perfect light. It was the light of the glory of God. This, this, this response by the shepherds was appropriate. But rather than bringing fear, what we see is the gospel described as great joy. Now, they responded in fear when the angels came to tell them about the birth of the Savior. But... The, what did the angel said? Fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Now I want to, there's a lot in that text that I wished we could go and had time to deal with. But what I want to do is I want to, I want to highlight why this is great joy for us, okay? I want to highlight why this is great joy. Because our goal is for you just to, just absolutely... Experience great joy in your heart and in your soul and in your mind because of the gospel. Alright? They say, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So in a perfect time, in a perfect place, a perfect what? Savior is born. What does it mean? Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who came to save us from our sins. The angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1.21, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. This is the heart of the gospel. The Savior is here. We are all sinners. These shepherds were sinners. The nation of Israel was sinners. And we all need a Savior. The angels are proclaiming the greatest good news. 
that you are dead in your trespasses and sin, but have joy because the Savior, the one who can forgive sins, who has the power to forgive sins, who will ultimately meet the requirement of God to pay the ransom for your sin, has come. The Savior has been born at Jesus' birth. He would set forth on His mission to redeem His own that would ultimately lead Him to the cross where the iniquity of it all would be placed upon Him. It is important for us to see that Jesus, born in a manger, did not come to be some good example or some great teacher or even in this Christmas time some shelved relic. He came to seek and to save the lost. This is the good news of great joy. We should celebrate. Our sins are forgiven because God came to us. He came to us as Savior. Not only does He come as Savior, the angel said, For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Christ means anointed one, which is the meaning of Messiah. Right? Jesus is the Christ. He is the one who comes to restore our hope. This is the one long predicted, long awaited, the one anointed above all others. The final prophet, priest, and king has come on the scene to restore hope. He would fulfill all the hopes and dreams of Israel. Some would be blinded by it, but He would fulfill all of the promises, all of the prophecy at His birth. Luke wants us to know that the Messiah did not come as many religious leaders had hoped. They were looking for this Messiah. They were looking for this this, this, uh, uh, anointed one. This final prophet who would speak the final word. This final priest who would finally uh, settle everything and mediate once and for all between man and God. The final king who would step out and sit on his throne for eternity. And they would be saved. They were looking for this Messiah, but he did not come the way That they had hoped. So you see, the religious leaders in this day, as we see all throughout the Gospels, they wanted a king-conquering, world-dominating leader to which they could boast in themselves and their self-righteousness. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be delivered. They just did not want the deliverer. Luke tells us three times in verses 1 through 20 that the anointed one, The Christ was laid in a manger. He was laid in a feeding trough. He did not come with great pomp and circumstances, strolling through the temple, sitting down on His throne. He did not come and take over Jerusalem. He didn't come like that. He came in the middle of the night among the stench and darkness and loneliness of animals and was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a feeding trough. What does this tell us about Jesus? Just as Jesus came to shepherds, the angels came to shepherds to announce His birth, 
Jesus comes and is born and laid in a manger. This teaches us that the King of kings came into the world in a way most humble. He did not come in the way the Jewish leaders had hoped. He came in a way that would provide their only hope. He came to empty Himself. He came to take on the form of a servant. He came to be made in our likeness. He came to humble Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He came to die so that we might live. And this is good news of great joy. Celebrate that Jesus was laid in the manger. But because He was laid in the manger, He would ultimately lay Himself out on the cross so that you and I might live today. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. This is good news of great joy. Jesus is the Christ who came to restore our hope. He's also our Lord who came to reign over our lives. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the ruler, the sovereign, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Lord of the universe. For to, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and the peace there will be no end. The angels were declaring that this child was not just any child. This birth was not just any birth. This is say that the child was Lord. They were declaring that this child is God in the flesh. He is God. God has come. For unto you is born this day God. He was a child who would save men from his sins who would bring hope through his life and his death. And this child was God, Yahweh, in the flesh. And if we step back just for a minute and we place ourselves in those days and think about the significance of these shepherds who had knew the story of the Messiah to come, who had heard about the Lord God, Yahweh, who knew Him, who, who worshipped Him. And all of a sudden, His glory is revealed before them. And it is announced that just a few miles away, God is here. He has been silent, but now He is here. And He is here to save you, to bring you hope, and to reign over you forever and ever. You see, in a perfect time, in a perfect place, a perfect Savior and Lord was born. Why? For our eternal good and His extravagant praise. Look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. They are, they are saying, I bring you good news of great joy. They are saying, glory to God in the highest. The gospel brings great joy in Him. It is our eternal good. God just doesn't show up one day and make you happy. God gives you Jesus and joy in Him forever. It is everlasting. The good news of the gospel is that God sent His only Son as the Savior to redeem sinners. Jesus coming is a source of great joy for us. Why? 
It's a message of joy. Because of sin, we've been separated from, from life and relationship with God, making us poor, making us broken, making us captives. But Jesus has come to make all things new. This is great joy. Glory to God in the highest. Jesus has come to make all things new. It's a message of joy because Jesus has come to clothe us. He's come to, 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 to bride us. He's come to cover us in garments of salvation, to cover our unrighteousness with His perfect righteousness. It's a message of joy because He makes all things new and then He marries us. He comes into relationship with us and He gives us what we could not earn on ourselves. He gives us grace the grace of His righteousness. It's a message of joy because the gospel is not only good news for our past and the fact that Jesus once and for all died for sinners, that, that Jesus paid the penalty of sin that we deserve, but it's also good news for our present because He is transforming our lives. He has transformed us from one degree of glory to another every single moment, child of God, because of His coming, because God in the flesh was born in a perfect time and place. Because of that day, you are becoming more and more like Christ today. And it's a message of joy, not only because of, uh, of our past and what Christ did on the cross and our present, what He is doing in our, in our lives today, but it's also good news for our future because He will return again. He is coming again. And He's not coming as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The King of kings is coming as a conquering Lord to set up His rightful throne on this earth, to rule and to reign, and to say salvation has come. And the King is here. The Gospel not only brings us everlasting joy in Christ. See, all of those things are found in Christ. In Christ, we have become new. In Christ, we have life. In Christ, we have eternal Relationship with God. It also brings us everlasting peace with Christ. The good news is not only of great joy, but it's of everlasting peace. The Savior that has been born is the one who brings peace and acceptance from God Himself. The, the angels were proclaiming, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom He is pleased. The angels are, are, are proclaiming that peace has come. Peace with God. A peace that passes all understanding. A prince has arrived who would purchase by his own blood perfect peace between a holy God and sinful man. Peace among the earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, because of Jesus' life, because of His death and resurrection, God can give us peace. Even though we have chosen to rebel against Him, He gives us peace by sending Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin in our place. And if we place our faith in Christ, He justifies us before God. We enter into relationship with Him because we have been covered in the righteousness of Christ. And we now, now there is therefore now no condemnation before God, before those who are in Christ Jesus. And we worship that today. We celebrate that today. That is good news of great joy. Church, we should celebrate Christmas today because the gospel brings us everlasting peace. 
But not only does it bring us everlasting peace, the gospel also brings ultimate praise for Him. God's glory, in verses 13 and 14, we see God's glory sung out among men for the sake of His glorious name. Let's look what happens. So the angels appear to them, right? They're afraid and they say, fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And after the proclamation and the sign that was given to them, what happened? It says that suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. The angels saying glory to God in the heavens, the highest. That means in the heavens, the, the, the gospel is the ultimate picture of God's extravagant glory. If you're waiting for something more grand, if you're waiting for something more glorious, if you're waiting for the skies to open up and all of your troubles and all of your difficulties to disappear, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Turn to Jesus. Turn to the manger. Turn to the glorious gospel that was birthed on Christmas morning in our hearts and in our lives. Because we see God's extravagant glory. The whole purpose of salvation is wrapped up in verse 14. It is the anthem that the angels sing. Glory to God. The whole purpose for Christ's coming is for His name to be made famous. For His name to be made great. For Him to display His wonderful and glorious and holy nature and character and attributes. This is the ultimate purpose of salvation. We would not know His grace. We would not know His mercy. We would not know His long-suffering. We would not know His faithfulness in the way that we do today if it was not for the gospel. We would not be able to give Him extravagant praise and ultimate praise in our life if we did not know and have the gospel. You see, God's glory had dwelt among men in the tabernacle. God's glory had dwelt in the temple. But God's glory had departed because of Israel's sin. But now God's glory was returning. And it returned in the person of Christ. God's glory had entered the scene of humanity once again. And it was the most grand and glorious picture. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. (laughs) Glory is found in Jesus. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Love this part. Full. Of grace and truth. Full. It is complete. When the Word became flesh, when Jesus was born, it was complete. The fullness of time had come. Jesus had been born and God's glory had returned. The Word became flesh. What were the angels saying? Church, what was the angels saying? They were saying that this child was the righteous branch of Jesse. They were saying that this child was the creator and sustainer of the world. 
Church, they were saying, this child is the promised Savior. He is the promised Messiah. He is the promised Lord. They were saying, this child, when they say glory to God in the highest, they are saying, this child is the Prince of Peace. They are saying, this child is the final prophet, priest, and king. This child, Jesus, is the one who will save you, redeem you, set you free to a life of worship and fellowship, relationship with the God of this universe from everlasting to everlasting. Glory to God in the highest. The angels knew what were coming. They saw the darkness of mankind. And they knew the God of the gospel. And for them to see God do such a thing, they said, glory to God in the highest. Church, this is good news of great joy in our life. By faith in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, we can experience the joy of everlasting peace and unbroken fellowship with God Himself. Joy, 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 as the children say. The Son of the Most High. The Great I Am. God in the flesh. Our Redeemer, our Deliverer, and our salvation. God's glory sung out among men for the sake of His name. Then we see God's peace lived out among men for the sake of His name. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ, it releases us from fear. It graces us with joy and it gives us an eager passion to pursue Him and to make His gospel known among all men. We go out and we openly declare... There is therefore no now, now no condemnation for me because of Christ and what He has done for me and in me and will ultimately do for me for eternity. We sing that out among men and we see that lived out in our day-to-day lives. We, the church, there is no other way that you and I could set in a, 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 a church building or a building like this and be drawn together, unified together, to sing, unified to one purpose, to sing to one Lord, to experience one baptism, if not for the peace of God found in Jesus Christ. We must see this. There is a hardly better way to sum up what God was about when He created the world or when He came on this day to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ than this. His glory, our peace. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure. Now, there is a lot in this text. And there's a lot of wonderful truths. We see God's grace. We see His mercy. We see His providence. We see His patience toward mankind. We see the purpose of God. We see our pleasure in God. But our goal this morning 
is for you, you, to experience great joy because of the gospel. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you trusting in the Christmas message today? Are you trusting in that? In Luke 2, 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. I want you to meditate on this question just for a minute. As Phil and, uh, it begins to play, are you trusting in the gospel today? You see, the shepherds heard the message. And they understood probably far more than you and I at that moment. As, as children of Israel, the significance of this event. And when they heard this message and they seen God's glory, they got everyone together and they said to one another, let us go over and see this thing that's happened. What does this show us? shows us their faith. It shows us God's grace. And it shows us their pursuit. Think about this. Are you trusting in the gospel today? Have you heard this message this morning? Have you, have you read it to your children? Have you sang it for the whole month of December? But yet you, you still don't have any joy in your life? Ask yourself, am I trusting that the gospel is good news of great joy to me? Am I trusting in that this morning? Another thing I want you to think on, meditate on, is this. Are you treasuring the Christmas message today? The shepherds went and they made haste. Oh, they believed. And they found Mary and Joseph, just like the angel said, lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known of everything that happened in the field. And all that heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary, Mary, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And I think our goal today is for you to experience the great joy that comes from the gospel. But I think what God would have us to do with this message is these two questions here, to personally examine our hearts and life. Am I trusting in the gospel today? And am I treasuring the gospel? You might sit back and say, Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. But church, if we leave here and we don't ponder these things and we don't treasure these things, we're going to miss the great joy of it all. When Mary heard this, she was full. She pondered everything that had happened from before the foundations of the earth to the manger before her. And she treasured it all.
Are you treasuring the gospel today? Joey, you, you might be asking, Joey, how do I respond to this? Well, as Phil and Candace sing, I exhort you to do a few things. Repent and believe. If you're not trusting in the God of the gospel, repent of your sins, turn away from your sin and yourself, and trust in Jesus today. He is your Savior, He is your Messiah, and He is your Lord. Trust in Him. And church, seek Him. Seek Him while He may be found. Be like the shepherds and make haste. Today is the day of salvation. And I believe in that. Today is the day for us to praise the God of salvation. Seek Him. Treasure the gospel in your heart. Glorify the God of the gospel among all people. My prayer as we close this part of our service is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Be amazed that you have peace with God today. Be amazed of the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. Be amazed of the great joy that you have through Jesus Christ. Be amazed of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Let us not only be amazed, but let us be like Mary and treasure the gospel in our hearts. And let us be like the shepherds who left the manger to return to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen.